Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I am Anthony Salome, and I'm live with Alex Nicholas, the one and only. What's good? What's good, everybody? Shout out to Austin, Texas. What's good? This is the uh, September 27th. Is it 27? 28, 28, 28, September 27, my brother's birthday. Rest in peace, Greg. That was yesterday. Cried my eyes out, but hey, we back, baby. September 28th episode of the Rush Podcast. Um, got a lot to talk about, but at the same time, not so much to talk about, man. I mean, it's been it's been a rough couple of years. I've got to say it's 141 to 28, and if you're not privy to what that means, that means that's how much Jesus has been outscored, and we're going to get into all that. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Tebow's homer. We, yeah, you know what? I got to question that. I, I'll give him props after a, think, it was like a lefty. Think it was a little softball toss? But it could have been. I, I mean, the, you him? know, those those instructional leagues are very lax. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's more – it really is instructional league. Like, if somebody messes up in the middle of the field, I've heard that coaches actually will go on the field and correct them before. So, I mean, everybody – anything Tebow does, if Tim Tebow <laughs> – Blesses somebody. <laughs> hey, we can't, we can't hate on him though, man. Everywhere he's been, he's proved everybody wrong. True. I true. think I think we should dedicate this entire episode to talking about nah. national sports, though. Ah, let's do it. Let's national do it. Sports. I got a lot of takes. I got some takes. <laughs> Raiders. Never mind. Never mind. Back to you, sir. <laughs> Back you to you, sir. I knew that was with you, but yeah, plenty to talk about. Our first football only. Our our first. Our last. Football only podcast next week is what we'll just start it off with. I guess just some basketball. Uh, October 6th, if y'all saw it up on the website, basketball practice starts. Uh, we get access to Tim Floyd on the 5th. Also get access to Terry Wynn. Dominic Art is going to try my hardest to try to get out there and try to get some type of audio for the podcast or something. They got me kind of in, in slavery right now at work. but So that's definitely started. So this will be our last football only podcast. Next week, we'll obviously go have a nap because we we'll have some type of basketball to talk about, yeah. you know, something, even though it's just practice and we don't have access and, and UTEP basketball is turning into the Fort Knox of college basketball in terms of access. But Maybe we, that we'll means we're finally getting their shit together, though. I mean, that, that's, that's good. And a lot of people have kind of chimed in about that. And it's, it's good and bad. You know, it's good because, you know, you're sheltered. It's just them. You know, it's kind of that us against the world mentality early. And then it's bad because, I mean, hey, I want to go there and see what's going on. I want to, And I want to let the fans know, like, we, we had that access before. And, you know, obviously for page views purposes, it's great. But it's just good information to give people. So they know what to expect October 22nd with the orange and white scrimmage. So definitely looking for, uh, forward to that coming up. Like I told Anthony there, I got to psych myself up for basketball, watching some old Philly Rivera, uh, some Philly Rivera <laughs> videos. Uh, I, I think me and Anthony's favorite. Uh, UTEP, uh, YouTube video of all time, the 92 Sweet 16. He shoots wide. It's crazy because, like, like I'm watching this stuff, and especially, you know, what really hit home, and I've been emotional. Like I mentioned, my brother uh, passed, he was his birthday, so it was all, September's always a tough month. September, November, always tough months for me. But watching, like, Philly Rivera, watching that, that dunk, and, and kind of, like, it, he just – that was just a special time. Yeah. That was a really special time because even though Philly and Omar were here for two years and, you know, have a little bit of personal things with Philly as far as I know him because he, he, uh, he has a father with, with one of my best friends, uh, best friend's sister. So I kind of know him on that personal level. But you just really got to know these guys. They were real personable. They were only here for two years. But, you know, you just really got to know those type of guys. And it's like I get emotional because it's like, damn, I, like, I want to have that as – Covering minor us, like, you know, I had that as a fan as I was an 18-year-old kid then, you know, and it was great. We had season tickets. We were always there. Section N, you know, with the, every game, it was 10,000 people, Nevada coming in, Boise State, those type. That was kind of like my, I guess, highlight. You know, I'm a little bit – I'm younger than probably most of the people listening to it, but it, it really kind of – it got me kind of fired up, you know, just to think about, well, you know, maybe not so much for this season, but just – UTEP basketball, I mean, that's the only sport. I'm a big Raider fan. I'm a big Astro fan. But UTEP basketball is the only sport I truly live and die by. And that's even throwing in UTEP football in there, too. It's, it, you know, it, it's, always, it's always refreshing, you know, especially as a, as a UTEP. As a UTEP fan in general, I mean, you're going to follow UTEP football. You know, as, as frustrating at times as it gets, you know, you're going to follow UTEP football. But it's always refreshing when you know basketball season's around the corner. But I don't even know that it's as refreshing this year, man. Like, it's just it's, – it's, it's been a disappointment. And we'll get into that more next week. But um, I guess at least we know that, that it's, it's on deck. It's coming up. Literally on deck. More than a week out. So, 
Let's get back to the main topic at hand, though, the UTEP football team once again with a hey, – right, Let's go back to that Raiders talk. I got you. Jalen Richard's my favorite Raider. <laughs> Former Southern Miss running back. But it's the same song, same dance with this UTEP football team, man. And, and you know, it's kind of like we were humble bragging to each other because I just feel like no one else knows this, this program and this football team better than me and you, and that's a humble brag. I mean, that. I mean, we really – called this game last week's podcast if you guys listen obviously you listen because you listen right now but we called that you know I, I felt the defense would show up again this defense is built schematically to slow down a, a, a spread attack you know just the facts they haven't the biggest surprise to me is they haven't allowed a 300 yard passer all year you're going up against Texas who you know probably complete a couple of long balls that we defended pretty well maybe they get that but you know I really expected the defense to to fluster and to get into Nick Mullins' head, but not to the point where they held him for 176 yards. And his three touchdowns were, in my opinion, because short fields of, on the offense, giving him, you know, in, in, in basically easy touchdowns. You look at back at that screenplay, you look at that 45-yard drive they had right before the half. You know, it's the same song and dance offensively with, a, you know, with a capable defense. And I'm going to – this is the hottest take I think I've ever spit on this podcast ever. Before we go down and break – break down the offense, I think this is a very good defense, this UTEP defense. Now, maybe not the front seven is still really trying to find a way, but I saw great things from Mike Soda, who had a tremendous first half, ended up with nine tackles. We saw Gene Hopkins the previous two weeks before he got hurt. We know we're getting out of Nick Usher, Alvin Jones, oh, my God. You know, but this defense, I think this defense is legit. I really think it is. It's it's the best defense that we've seen at UTEP in some years. I mean – we haven't had a great defense since Cougar's been here, and we all know the defenses under Price were hit or miss. I mean, if hit, hit, or, hit or miss per down, then, every you know, down you're they, you know, you know the Price years were more about outscoring teams. You know, at times defenses would get hot and, and come up with some big stops and whatnot, but we never had consistent defense. And I think that's definitely something that we've talked about this year with this unit. And and it's true. I mean, they they have a lot of bright spots, starting with Alvin Jones, but across the defensive line and even in the secondary with a lot of these young kids that are coming up making plays and not making mistakes. Is that's the biggest that's thing. That's a big thing. Right um, but but the the biggest issue for this defense is the lack of offense because it's just it's and I've said it time and time again. It's just so hard to ask a defense to go out there when you continually put them back out there after three plays. They come up with a stop. They, they get three plays rest, and they're right back out there. It's just it's hard to play defense like that, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are. And so I, I definitely think, you know, that that's something that we can kind of hang our hats on and say, you know, we have a good defense that can keep us in some games. And they did. I mean, this was a game into the second quarter, well into the second quarter. It wasn't until late in the second quarter where they kind of started opening it up. And then it just seemed like in the second half we just threw in the towel. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it honestly seemed like we didn't even care to play in the second half. The play calling was terrible, as always. You know, I don't know what I, – I, I think we have gotten an offensive coordinator that is maybe worse than we had last year. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't know the sport, but with the pieces that he has here, he's not able to execute the plan that he wants to execute. And, and because of that, he's not making adjustments, and, and that is making things – very, very hard on this offense in turn on this defense, and it's showing now in the scores, like you just mentioned, 124 or whatever 148. it was. 148. Don't short nobody. Sorry. <laughs> you know. And I think that the biggest proof in the pudding, and I had to look this up, you know, I was listening to Steve Kaplowitz. I read listening to him, but I caught him yesterday, and he was breaking down, you know, the total run, the, the total passes versus the total rushes. And, you know, I, I basically tweeted out that, you know what, in the way, the way that it's gone – the past couple of weeks, I think that's that, that's not a good way to break down the offense. You know, it's it's real easy to go to a box score and see and look at balance. But what I'm looking at is first down and second down runs. And basically, what I'm looking at here is, you know, it, this seems pretty good. UTEP was 72 carries on first down, 387 yards. They're averaging 5.36 yards a carry. Most of that is going to be attributed to a guy like Aaron Jones, obviously. You know, but when you look at their second down numbers, you know, real rushing, quick though, just, just to just to, to you know, come in on that. If I'm not mistaken, at least one, if not two, of his, of his big runs have been on first downs. 
Um, yeah, the 68-yard the run from yesterday and, uh, and, and the one the, against Texas. And the one against – and that, that, that's where and I was – so that kind of skews that stat. Just, big time. Just to kind of throw that in there real B- quick. Big time because you look at what Aaron, does, what Aaron has and you take out – because he not only not, he has the 75-yard run and the 68-yard run. So when you look at Aaron's stats right now, 374 yards on 48 carries. So 348 minus 75 and minus 68. Hold up. He's got more yards than that. He's got five something. No, that's on first down. I'm, I'm just sorry. saying that, that okay. that's first okay, down. Got you, got you. So when you take those two carries away, that's 46 carries for 205 yards. That's a 4.4 average. Aaron Jones is not a running back that's going to average five yards to carry or under five yards yeah. to carry. He's that good. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's some guys where you where that's where that's a very respectable average and it you is. want that. Period. But with, with a guy like Aaron Jones, and you look at at the big the here's the here's the one that jumps out to you. Aaron Jones on second down. 17 carries for 31 yards. Why? Because on first down, Aaron Jones has 48 of UTEP's 72 rushes on first down this year. Now that could, you, know, I, you look back and you look at, at what they're doing passing wise. Only 28 pass attempts on first down, yes. averaging, I, I, I mean, a 53% pass completion. So not only are we not throwing on first down, but we're not throwing our best easy play to get a completion. And it's always those stupid bubble screens, which I feel Zach Greenlee struggles with. I think Zach and, – and, and before we get into Zach Greenlee, he's not 100%. Let, before we break that I down and, and, kind of, and kind of, you know, in a sense, throw him under the bus because, I mean, he's been horrible, yeah. but he's hurt. He's yeah, not – he's, he's at obvious. 60 to 70%. But going back to the play calling, that is, this stands out to me, you know, huge. When but you I, look think, at, I think the play calling is, is – okay, I, I don't think anybody can argue the play calling, right? But I definitely think the fact that we have no quarterback, a consistent quarterback under center, right, it makes defenses, it allows defenses to play the run a lot stronger than if we had somebody that there who, who back there who was a threat to pass. So let me ask you this. So knowing that and knowing, you know, do you feel that that bleeds into the play calling in terms of being more conservative? Yeah, it's possible. Do you think that's what, what, because what, we don't have that consistent quarterback? What me the most, though, is like it, it just seems like Sean Kugler knows this. And he knows that having a quarterback that might only be 60 or 70% forces him to be more conservative when he already is an extremely conservative head coach. His offensive coordinator is already an extremely conservative play caller. And, and, it, and it forces them to be even more conservative. And so what I don't understand is, why not give a guy like Ryan Metz a chance, who we know is 100%, he's healthy. Look, Ryan's not the, the, the savior for this program. I know that I've called it out many times, you know, give Ryan a chance, whatever. But he's not the savior for this, for this program, I don't think, you know. He's a great guy, great athlete. We've seen what he can do. He plays with a lot of heart. He goes out there. He's not afraid to take shots. He's not afraid to, you know, he's a guy who, who knows his spots. He's comfortable in the pocket. So he can do some things that Zach Greenlee has really struggled with. But what, that's what I don't understand is why, even though, you know, Ryan Metz might not be the guy to lead us to a 10-win season, you know, why he won't switch to him and maybe give us a chance to win six or seven or eight games. I, I don't – to me, I just – I don't understand it. And, and I've, I've said it before, and I think it just he's – so, he's too conservative, and, and Ryan Metz is going to try to make case, plays. It comes back to what came first, the chicken or the egg, they, you know, with, with the whole conservative thing. Is it the quarterback? Is it the play calling? Is it, it's just it, – it's – it comes back to just what came first. I mean, really. And it's been repet- – I mean, this has been – and like I told a couple of people that are close to the program that kind of reach out to us about last week, and this is something that's gone on really since 2013. I mean, this is no – I mean, the, the the only game that I can clearly remember us opening up the past was when we went up to Colorado State that one year and Jamil showers through for like 350 yards and like five touchdowns. I, you know, and that – to me, that was like, okay, that – that was showing me like, okay, we're, you know, back in 2013, you're switching over to this power run offense, but you still have those spread concepts, those spread players that were able, you know, to transfer over or whatever, you know, remain from the Mike Price tenure. And I figured, okay, well, maybe our run game won't come along, but at least we'll be able to throw for 250. Didn't happen. Didn't happen the rest of the year. Didn't happen in 2014. You know, obviously we made it to a bowl game, but I mean, Aaron Jones and Nate Jeffrey, I mean, that was a really good combo to have, even though Nate Jeffrey was banged up. And you go last year and it was just non-existent, but the talent is there. This is a whole, this is the whole thing about it is, you know, from an outside perspective, you can look at it and be like, well, UTEP don't have shit for talent. You know, you can look at these passing numbers, you can look at, at, at averages, whatever. But the fact of the matter is these coaches aren't putting them in these positions to make plays. Yeah. You know, you're looking at, at a guy like Terry Janelle that's, 
getting these side-to-side screen passes that are clearly being overthrown and underthrown when the guy can stretch you, stretch a defense and get you a 19-yard gain like he did in week one. I mean, I just feel – and credit to Sean Kluger for kind of noticing that and talking about that. But, you know, what I was telling you when we first walked into your house here is, you know, how much – <laughs> the studio, the studio. How much he talks about slimming the offense down. I mean, how much more are you going to slim it down? Personnel, it's obvious. Obviously, there's way too many personnel packages. You know, there's way too way too much going on, and and that was a theme last week with the penalties, with the pre, a couple of pre-snap penalties. And I obviously think, I honestly think that a couple of the penalties that stalled those drives were 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 a big product of that. So that's going to be interesting to see. What it is, I mean, how much more can they slim this thing down without? I mean, this is how you, this is how you got me right now. <laughs> For everybody out there who can hear that, all right, that's how you got me right now. That's how it is, man. But it just, it, it, you just gotta wonder. I mean, about that Ryan Met situation, and, and you read the El Paso Times today, and they're talking about Zach Greenley getting all the first team reps today. That tells that's really me disappointing that that is disappointing. But I did get somebody that that did hit me up afterwards, after I posted that story and talked about that, it wasn't like it seemed. It wasn't like it seemed. This was somebody really close to a program that, that said that it wasn't like it seemed, that it's going that obviously today the big indicator for me was that Greenlee took all the two-minute drill reps, but tomorrow that's supposed to go to Ryan. So um, when I read when I first saw the story, I'm thinking the same thing yeah. you just thought right now. It's, you know, that's kind of disappointing. When Mets just can't get his shot. But according to people close to the program, it's not set in stone yet. Even though when we've seen this under Cougar, this trend or whatever, you know he's just stuck in his ways. And talking about Sean Cougar, so there is that glimmer of hope. But I still think we're gonna. I still don't think we see Ryan Metz. I, I really don't think we see him this weekend. And, and that's and, and and more of a shame is because you know we like Ryan, but Zach is not healthy. And uh, an unhealthy Zach Greenlee is killing this team's chances yeah. of just sustaining uh, you know, a drive. Exactly, and that's the, that's the biggest thing because you. Look, this offense with weapons or a weapon like Aaron Jones does not need a quarterback that goes out and throws for 350 yards, but you need to be able to make some throws here and there to keep drives alive and to keep defenses honest in order to open things up for Aaron. And we saw, I think Zach went 7 of 14 in, in this game, and, and probably five or six of those misses were high. And to Bad. me, and yeah, it wasn't even close. I mean, you're talking about five to ten feet over the kid's head. To me, that's saying that his shoulder – is not right. Like, there is something really wrong with that shoulder. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily a long-term injury or something, but it's just he's not comfortable throwing the football right now. He's not able to get into that complete motion coming down. And, and I'm remember, remember when I talked about when I got to see Zach Greenlee? And, and, and you know, like I said, we, we talked about this. Where we weren't basing of how good he was going to be, but the little things, you know, the, the, the being able to stand in the pocket, the being able to deliver the ball – to, we're just I'm not seeing that those little things and to me that that's helps been since week one and, though that's what's yeah. questionable here is that that's been since week one we talked about and he got hurt and he got hurt on that first drive so you look at it and what I think he threw one pass attempt so the rest of his pass attempts he was not healthy that drive and that's a I think that's that's more more than anything when it comes to that green because I mean we can easily just come out here and rip the guy yeah you know and say he's horrible say he's dog due to whatever now, I but say something real quick I want to say something real quick because I know that a lot of people here this podcast and I know that a lot of people hear about the things that are said on this podcast and and I just want to say I'm not here to hate on any one player any one kid anything like that that's not that's not what I'm here talking about you know this is this is topic for conversation amongst UTEP fans and this is opinion and and I'm not going to come out here and sugarcoat things because it's a good kid we like Ryan Metz as quarterback if he doesn't play well, I'll come out here and be talking the exact same way. In fact, you can go back and listen to podcasts, yeah, yeah. and we have FIU game, that FIU exact game. same thing about guys like Ryan Mitchell. So this isn't about getting on a kid's case or getting on one particular person or another because we like a different one. This is just about calling it like it is as a, as a, a fan and as somebody who follows the program. So I just want to get that out there so you all know that. You know, This isn't about hating on somebody. This is about telling it like it is, taking off the orange glasses, the orange-tinted glasses, and just seeing it for what it is. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, what it is, is is Greenlee's hurt. That I, I really think that is the big issue right now is Greenlee's hurt because you saw some type of balance against New Mexico State, and that's where I feel that the play calling has kind of gone in terms of health, and there's, there's some reason 
you know, my theory of it is because they don't trust Ryan Metz because he's going to make mistakes because he's going to try to make plays. But I've seen Ryan Metz make really good decisions in the mop-up times that he has. Yeah. It's, very, it's been well, very minimal. Defense are going to run their base. They're cover two man. They're cover three, whatever, just a shell defense in a sense. So, but he's been, he's taking what the defense has given him in every one of his play. And I, feel that this is the guy that can just like you said we're not looking for a seven win attempt we're just looking for somebody on a first and a first and ten or a second and seven to complete a five to seven yard pass more more than anything is the big picture man because you know I look back I was a huge prize supporter you know you can look at my writers back from minor rush back in that day um, and listen to my podcast if they're even still around I was a huge Mike Mike Price supporter and 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 not not just because he was such a, a personable guy, not just because he was so friendly as a coach, you know, and you could literally go have a beer with him practically, you know, not just because of that, but because his teams, even though they weren't necessarily the most disciplined and at times it was, it was frustrating to watch because it was just a shootout, but, you know, they were always competitive. You know, the games where they got blown out were few and far between. Even and, going and, to power, even going up against the yeah, even, power five. You know, when you when you look back at the Texas Tech games, which I know Coogler has had a couple of good ones as, as well, but it was always a good game. You know, I, I remember when when Houston was in here nationally ranked. You know, it was a good game. We weren't even supposed to be. We weren't even supposed to be on the same field. We were like guys. four and eight last that and, year, and, anyway. Yeah, and they were like twelfth in the nation when they came in here. And and Case Keenum and we, yeah, I think we beat them or yeah. came real close overtime. I can't remember which. No, they was. mopped them. They mopped them by two scores. So I mean, you know, it was it was always a competitive game with when Mike Price was at the helm, and and what we've seen with Coogler is like it just seems like maybe morale's down. I don't know if he's just such a hard ass that like these kids are having a tough time buying in or what, but it just seems like they're not there once things kind of go against them. You know what I'm saying? Like once things start heading the wrong direction, it's hard for them to get it back together. And I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's the morale level. I don't know if it's failure to adjust. I don't know what it is, but you've seen that the last couple of weeks where at a certain point, it just seems like they're just going through the motion. So that clock hits zero, you know, let me throw this out there as well. Maybe this kind of, uh, kind of parlays into that. Do y'all want to get in on the conversation? I know there's a few people listening. Three four seven nine three four zero nine five one. If y'all want to chime in, we'd love to hear what you have to say. I'm drinking my beer, so you're welcome to call in, drink in, or whatever you're doing too. We we're, we have no FCC rules. You can say <laughs> fuck shit, whatever, whatever you want to say. But honestly, this is what I really feel like. You know, Sean Coogler is not a gambler. Oh, of so you know when you're kind of doing the same shit on offense over and over again, and you're not taking chances. I think that is. Uh, I think it's evident when you see the body language of the team and, you know, the fact that he's not going to take shots to excite the sideline, you know, or, or, or God forbid, try a trick play to get some energy. Isn't that crazy he, that we haven't ta- seen a we single, seen a single as struggle as diverse as Brent Peace is known, quote unquote, known to be. And as much struggling as the offense has been, I mean, Mike Price, you know, when those years, the last years, when he tried to bring in those Juco guys, and it all and all faltered. I mean, there, you would see a couple of trick plays. You would see something a gamble. That's sometimes you need that. You, you need it. And if you're not, and Sean Cougar kind of, and it, he kind of backfired himself on my take. Not that it matters when I'm saying that he's not a gambler. When he's talking about energy from a quarterback, I think sometimes as coaches, you gotta you gotta show a little bit of, of, of trust in your guys to go and execute something crazy. That's going to get the sideline jumping again. That's going to get the defense fired up over there like, hell yeah, you know, we get to rest and we're moving the ball. And not only that, but get the guys to have fun. I don't see the fun out there. And that's another thing, you know, bringing that up, I really feel like, I really feel like this is a, a team that is very micromanaged, if you will, you know, especially with that play calling, like it doesn't allow them to have fun and just go out and just play the you just game gotta go do and your just job. make plays. You know what I mean? They, they, they go out there and they're told exactly what to do. And it just, it takes, it sucks the fun out of the game. And you see, you know, losses like this turn into complete blowouts because they just don't have that enthusiasm out there and even try once things head the wrong direction. I mean, it's, it's, it's rough, man. It's, it's been the, these last two weeks have been, I, I was, weeks. 
I'm going to go back to the you Texas know, game. I'll take the Texas game, only, even though the play calling was terrible. I'll take the Texas game. We were in that game at halftime, man. Yeah. You know, you're on the road at the time, overrated, but number 10 team in the nation or 11 or whatever it was, you know, you'll take that 17-7. What was it, 17-7 and a half? 27. 20-7. You'll take that, you know, on the road. Should have been 13-7 if Alvin didn't get that penalty. But, but you know, you'll take that. And, and, and they fought into the third quarter. They just couldn't handle. They just couldn't hang. And you, you would expect that, you know. These last two games, you didn't expect that, especially not at home. You know, you I can that's the thing. I can take a loss. I can take a loss. It's not about a loss. It's about not being competitive. No. It's about going out there and getting completely embarrassed. And I'll be, I'll tell you another thing. This week is another potential embarrassment, man. We we go on the road against an extremely tough Louisiana Tech team who is very tested, battle tested coming in. On the road to Middle Tennessee, lost a game that they probably should not have lost last week. They led most of the way. They opened up the season at Arkansas where they should have won. You know, you lose – what's the other loss I can't think of here? Uh, Texas Tech, Texas I think. Tech. And it, that was a, not as close as the score might, might they show. They battled. But that was another battle for them. You know, this is a team that's tested, that's also 1-3, that's hungry for a win and absolutely needs it. No doubt about it. So, I don't have no paper to throw away here to kind of, you know, throw away what happened last week. But we move on, and we're moving on with our first guest of the night, Jonathan Ford from BleedTechBlue.com joins us on the line. If we could get it working, our last guest Hopefully. didn't get to get on. Jonathan, you there? Well, I'm right here with you. Oh, oh we got did. a winner. There we go. Last time we tried to bring somebody on with the Army game. I think that was an omen for what was yeah. going to happen. But this is Jonathan, thanks for joining us, man. And, and we just quickly kind of broke down a lot of tech. A 1-3 start, but a res- to me, in my opinion, a respectable 1-3 start. Is this for La Tech fans on your board? Is this like the sky is falling? I mean, I know that a one and three start will do that as it's doing it here in El Paso, but I think there's got to be some sort of encouragement, encouragement marks, even though there's a one and three start on the year for the Bulldogs. Well, you, well, you know, every fan base that starts out one and three feels like the sky is falling, and they're and they're really ready to uh, to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But uh, <laughs> offensively, Tech fans know that they can move the football on basically anybody. Um, but defensively is where the biggest question marks are. You look at what happened on the road at Texas Tech, and, yes, Texas Tech arguably the, one of the best offenses and maybe even the best offense in America. Uh, and then they go on the road and, and have Middle Tennessee on the ropes 27-7 to in the second half and just completely implode, um, end up losing that, that one 38-34. to and, and when you see the offense giving up the, the, the yardage and the, and the points they've given up in the last two weeks, it's, that, that's where their concern uh, lies, and, and rightfully so. But the, the offense against Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee never could stop Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech would shoot themselves in the foot uh, and, and get themselves off the field. It wasn't anything that Middle Tennessee was doing. It was all execution-based. Uh, so, um, yeah, the Louisiana Tech fans aren't happy, and nor probably should they be at one, one and three. The, the staff isn't happy. The players aren't happy. Um, so uh, this this is a team that's primed to to, to get to get. Uh, they, we called it a get right game uh, last night on Bleed Tech Blue Radio, and that, and that's what this game feels like. When you talk about the defense, I think the biggest glaring thing that you look at is the secondary in terms of what La Tech lost last year to graduation. Is is that you know, you talk about not being able to stop nobody. Is that a product of just a youth movement and trying to infuse new players to kind of just gel together and to get those stops? Well, you know, and and that's what's kind of strange is that you would think it'd be youth, but they but they went in with with the transfer route, which is what Coach Holtz has done a lot uh, since he's been a Rustin. Is he is he he adds four or five transfers every off season, and and two of those are. Or several of those are at corner. One being Prince Sam from Houston Baptist, who had an outstanding game at Arkansas, um, had a pretty good game against uh, FCS opponent in South Carolina State, but then atrocious outings at, at Texas Tech and uh, in Middle Tennessee. And opposite him it should have been Ephraim Kitchen, but Ephraim's been uh, fighting a nagging groin injury, so he played a little bit last week, but but didn't play it extensively. Um, and then two more transfers in Ronald Lewis from Arizona State and uh, Cyril Nolan Lewis from, from Oregon State, actually a Ruston High School native. Um, they, they, so you've got three transfers for corners in the two deep at, at corner. Uh, so it's really not a youth event. It's, it's inexperienced players. And I think you're seeing some of that. Um, the schedule, and I think – this team's going to be a whole lot better in 
November than they were uh, in October or, or sorry in September. So that's uh, that's unfortunate for, for Louisiana Tech fans. Jonathan, you still there? Yeah. Sorry about that. We're having it, – it, it's nothing new. We, we come on the Rush Podcast. It, it's not a podcast without us having some kind of difficulties here. You're cutting in and out just a little bit there. We caught most of what you said, but just want to make sure we didn't lose you. Anyway, switching sides, going over to the offense, talk about an offense that ranks top 10 in the nation in, in total offense, um, a, a team that ranks top 20 or close to top 20 in, in, in total plays. This is a team that, that – Minus not necessarily need the ball for a long period of time, but likes to run a lot of plays. Um, or it has the ability to just run a lot of plays. You know, talk about 59 pass attempts in the last game, 30-some-odd um, rushing attempts. How do you see that kind of stacking up when it comes to a team like UTIP that needs to have the ball for long periods of time and kind of has hung their hat on being able to control time of possession? Do you see that being a factor, or do you think you all will be able to still get your quick strikes and, and, and score that way. You know, it, coming off of, of an offense like Sonny Dykes ran up until 2012, it really doesn't feel like Louisiana Tech's really as up-tempo as they were under Sonny Dykes. Um, so, yes, they're up-tempo, but it doesn't feel like it is in, it, it, as it once was in 2012. I, I think Saturday, if Louisiana Tech can get out, get out early to an early lead, that's really going to put UTEP behind the eight ball because we all know UTEP's offense isn't built to – to play from behind, um, so if Tech can get a get start fast, I, I think this could be a that that could be a big part of, of the game. Is yeah, you get a lot of plays early, but you can sit on the ball if you get a, if you get a, a lead because UTEP's not built to, to play from behind. I gave when we came on here to uh, open up our football talk. I gave the UTEP defense a very high praise. Mark, they're saying that this defense is really good. And the reason why I said that is because they switched to a 3-4 zone-based screen, uh, a scheme that really just kind of blankets the defense. How do you think a guy like Ryan Higgins and, and, and the talented guys like Carlos Henderson, uh, Trent Taylor, how do you think they'll fare against mainly probably 80 to 90% of zone looks? Is that something that they've kind of gone up against this year? Or is it going to be something new? Because UTEP has really done a good job of, of limiting explosive teams with that zone coverage uh, mixed with a couple of zone blitzes, but they're basically dropping everybody. It's where Trent Taylor sees lots of zone being a, being an inside receiver. You, you rarely see a, a ton of man coverage because you, if you can't get your hands on somebody in, man, in, in coverage, you don't, you're not going to play a lot of man. And, it, and it, at, uh, in, in the slot, it's difficult to do. So, so Trent Taylor it has sees lots of zone. Uh, I think he'll, he'll be able to find – Open spots, and, and Ryan Higgins has seen a lot of a lot of defenses, even this thus far this year. Uh, David Gibbs at Texas Tech likes to throw as many packages or many coverages out there as possible, uh, so he's seen it there. Um, but but on the outside, I think that's 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 something interesting to look look at is how do you and even how do you cover a Carlos Henderson with a zone because of how fast he is. He's gonna he's gonna get behind you if you're not running with him immediately. Um, that, that's that's something to watch. I, I think I don't. If I'm a UTEP fan, I don't like a zone defense uh, against the spread team because it's just not easy to cover that much real estate um, when you don't know where the offense is going and they know exactly where they're going. And they were very, very a lot of, saw a lot of variety last week against Middle Tennessee as well. Talking about the defense, this is a unit for for you all for La Tech that's only forced or taken away two total turnovers, I believe, two interceptions. Um, and also that ranks in the bottom half, somewhere near the middle of the pack, but closer to the bottom half of the, of the, of the nation in uh, rushing yards allowed per game. When you face a, a team like UTEP where it's, you know, it, it's kind of known where the ball's going, you know, how, how, does, how does a team approach that? Or does that kind of just give you, I mean, I guess it, it's an easy question here, so you can kind of just tee off on it. But is this just an easy game to prepare for? Do you feel like the team just is, is ready to go and they know where the ball's going? It's not going to be an issue at all to try and stop Aaron Jones? I said this last night on Bleed Tech Blue Radio that I thought it was kind of a rinse and repeat of their game plan from Arkansas. And you got to think that UTEP feels the same way. I mean, that's what Arkansas likes to do is run the, ball, run the football first. And especially in the first game of the year when they have that SEC West schedule ahead of them, they're not going to show their hand on their, on their offense. So they were very vanilla. Um, and so that's – given the fact they've already played a team that wants to run the football first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, through down, whatever, whatever is out there to trying to run the football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's a, a much easier game plan than trying to, to than trying to game plan Tony Franklin and his system or uh, Cliff Kingsbury and his system. Uh, you look at Tech's linebackers and Dalton Santos from from Texas. He's not the greatest coverage guy, or he hasn't been thus far. He's he's pretty good against the interior run. That's where Tech's been pretty good against the run is interior. But the, on the perimeter is where they've taken some bad angles and, and gotten beat. You know, that's what you saw against Middle Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I mean this game plan shouldn't be a whole lot of rocket science, but this um, this defense needs needs to get get back on track because goodness lord knows they they have not had two good outings the last two weeks jonathan ford the publisher over at bleed tech bleed tech blue the rivals affiliate of louisiana tech jonathan to end things out always got to put our guests on the spot score prediction and any other prediction you got for saturday you know i I should have remembered what i said uh, last night but we're so bad at it that it doesn't that it that I guess it ultimately doesn't matter. What, what I think the lines around twenty. Um, I, I could see this as you as you told me, um, Alex. You you see Tech covering this one pretty easily. I, I, it's hard to is do. Is that what you said? That. I think yes. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I'm just he kidding. Said it. Sorry about that. Maybe hanging him out to dry right here on a <laughs> podcast. But uh, I, I'm going to go uh, 52-21. Oh wow. Wow, you're giving us 21. Hey, hey, no, I'm just kidding. I can't disagree with that. Man. I can't disagree with with it either. You know, it, it, it's going to be a, a tough game. I mean, it all depends on, in my opinion, the, the one thing that we've talked about so much is that vanilla game plan that we've seen time and time again from Utah. It just makes makes it so easy for defenses to shut down our run. It makes it really tough for Aaron Jones to get going. Um, we've got a couple quarterbacks here that have struggled at times, and it, it, it's it's not far-fetched to think that Louisiana Tech can go out there and hang a 50 spot on anybody, much less UTEP. Although I will say, I think our defense can, can step up early. We'll keep it a close game early. If that offense is able to move the ball, it'll be a lot lower scoring game than that 50 point. But uh, From your mouth to God's ear, man. <laughs> I said if, all right? I said if. <laughs> Jonathan Ford once again from Bleed Tech Blue. Jonathan, tell the folks where they can find all your work and stuff on Twitter. Come check us out at BleedTechBlue.com and then at BleedTechBlue on Twitter or at DJ Ford. Come check me out. My man, Jonathan Ford, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll we'll be talking here in the next couple of days as well. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. 52-21, bro. I was, you know, I mean, I I don't think it's that far-fetched to assume that a lot of tech scores. Look, I don't. This defense didn't give up 50 to Southern Miss. Now, Southern Miss might not be as explosive as La Tech, but I really think that this defense is able to keep it down into the 30s, maybe 40s. You know, unless it gets really out of hand where this offense can't do anything at all. You know, Aaron Jones can't find a hole, and, and we're just having extreme trouble. I mean, I just – I don't I don't know what they hang up. I don't think it's far-fetched, but I don't think we give up 50 points. Let's put yeah, it that way. I mean, we've talked about how deep – it's, it's all going to come down. Can we sustain some drives and kill the clock? And obviously that's going to be the number one game exactly. plan this week. But, I mean, how well can they execute that? I mean, you look – I was looking at some uh, – I mean, this team ran almost 100 plays last yep. year. And, 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 you know, and Skip Holtz talked about last year where they only ran about 50-something when, they, when they played here. And it was 14-12 It was 17-15, I think. Okay, whatever. That's, that's, if, if you're going to win this game or have a chance, that's the that's, type of yeah. muddied out, you know, dirty game that you need to find, you know, to, to try to come up with a win against this type of team. And, you know, if you, if you put your defense out there, they'll, they'll come close to that 50 spot. But, I mean, if, if, if you're able to sustain some drives, you don't even have to score touchdowns every time. Just sustain some drives, milk that clock, you know, get, get your defense some rest. You know, if, you, if you're able to come away with seven, great. If you can put up three, fine. But if you can't even score, okay, that's fine. Well, let's move on to the next one. Let's live to fight another day. But when you go out there and, and you just go three and out and send your defense right back out there, it's going to be a long, long afternoon. And, you know, turnovers are another thing. You know, we saw – we saw a couple of bad turnovers from, bad, from, bad, from bad, Zach bad, Greeley bad. last week. And, and look, the 100 yard touchdown return, I don't even blame on Greeley. I, I honestly don't. It was a terrible throw, terrible decision. And I, I, I get that. But that's on the play calling. 
Because you know what? You just I, – I, I can't even think of what happened in the play before. Was it a long run? Is that what it was? Or was it a long pass? It was a long pass. It was a long pass. But that was on second down because the first down play, they ran it up the gut to AJ. And okay. Got, like, exactly. see, maybe they had that long pass that got them down to like a 20-yard line or somewhere in that range, 20, 25-yard line. And that first down play was a handoff right up the middle. And I'm thinking, you see – and I'm looking at the defense. You can go back and watch that film. The defense is – I mean, you're talking about nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Just timing the cadence. It was like if it was a pump block situation. I mean, they were just waiting there to just – I mean, they knew what was coming. That was the perfect play to win that play action that we had seen two, three times where they dropped the, the tight end into the flat. Naked, a naked or and something. A little naked bootleg, whatever. But, you know, that was the perfect time to run that play, and we would have scored a touchdown on that play, and it would have changed the momentum and changed the complexion of that game. I'm not saying we would have won, but it would have been a completely different ball game. game. It, was, it would have been a completely different yep. ball game. And instead, we run it. And then we decide to run that tight end screen – or that, I mean, I'm sorry, the tight end of the flat, the little play action on second down – get it down to the three-yard line, and again, run your damn play action again. Everybody knows you're going to run the football from the from first and go on the one or two, whatever. Everybody knows you're going to run it, and what do you do? You run it. You know, it, it, throw a little wrench in the system every now and then. Change it up, and and if they th- if they run that little that little that little bootleg right there, it the it Zach Greenlee never even has the opportunity to throw that that t- that interception on second down. He, he can throw either, that he, touchdown. He, he, I was about to say throw that touchdown. He can either, well, he, he he can either keep it or throw it. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was open. He could have kept him and walked in, man. Because they ran that twice with Plink, and then they ran it again with with, with Tag, and it was, it was wide open. <laughs> open. I and mean, we needed it, two yards. Nope. You could. You got eleven. You got you got you needed two yards. You got eleven, and then you get thirty three on the next play. I mean, it, 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 it kind of, it's like so simple. Got me drinking beers on a Wednesday afternoon, bro, at 6 o'clock, you know? That's what oh, type of offense man. we got right now. I don't, I'm not even a drinker, bro. Like, I'll have a beer, you know, at fight nights or whatever, watch the UFC. I'll pick up a stick and have two or three beers. That's how I drink. Like, I, I don't go yeah, out. I'm the same way. I don't, same I don't come way. home and have a beer at, with dinner. I don't drink at 6 o'clock. <laughs> I'm drinking at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon talking about UTEP sports, man. That's how I feel right now, bro. It's been that type of year. Um, do we have to continue to talk right now? I mean, can we just cut it? I mean, we talked to the lot tag people. What do we do, man? Like, what do we even do right now? I do want to say one thing, though, that Jonathan brought up. It, it, talking about defending lot tech is where he mentioned about the zone coverage, and he feels like that's something that they can exploit, you know, uh, in terms of stretching the field. I don't see that. I, I don't. I don't see that. You know, not that saying that he, that you know to his mentioning Carlos Henderson's a burner. I totally agree with him on that. But Nick Needham has been almost perfect. I mean, Nick Needham is a guy that we should really need to start talking up. Yeah. You know, because this guy is just a sophomore. He had struggles in man coverage last year, but you see what he's able to do. And that, my biggest concern is is guarding a guy like Trent Taylor out of the slot, because he's probably, if they, like I said, they're not going to match up nobody, but he's going to be able to run in that second level behind or in front of linebackers. And Dante LaViolet has done a great job of it. I don't know if Silas Firstly can handle that. I don't know if a guy like Nick Usher can handle that. I think Alvin can, but that's kind of my biggest concern defensively. But at the end of the day, I mean, it is about this offense and being able to just sustain a drive and have some sort of variety. And, you know, I, I don't see it. I, I just don't see, I, you know, Sean Cougar, call him whatever. You want to call him stubborn, stuck to his guns, whatever. I just feel like this is what we're going to get out of yeah. Sean Cougar teams. I, as much I as mean, if it hasn't changed in the first four years. Or as, as much as we've, short of now? us crying, <laughs> and bitch, I mean, we've bitched, we moaned. We are, short, we, what do you consider this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah, I consider it fucking weeping. <laughs> I mean, something's got to give, and, you know, I just don't feel it's going to be play calling. I really don't. I'd be surprised if they come out and chuck it 60% of the time compared to their runs on first oh, down. No way. But it's not going to happen. I no. mean, it, it's really not going to happen. And I that's, mean, what it, that's what I don't understand. It's so like plain and simple. Like it, it doesn't seem like, oh, hey, what's going on? We can't figure out this offense. We can't figure out why we're not succeeding. I mean, it's just like so... It, People know when you're going to run the football. People know when you're going to pass the football. Change it up. And it, and it, it makes seem it seems so simple. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to go offensive line struggling. Well, I mean, it's kind of easy when you're digging in your cleats and you're just going for a gap. You, you can't know, expect five guys to block seven. Period. Or eight or nine like you, you saw. Can, in- you cannot expect five guys to block seven or eight guys. Period. 
It doesn't matter how good you are. You've built a solid offensive line. You've got some hosses up front. You've got some guys that can move. Good blocking tight ends, too. But, but come on, you're, you're, you're not putting them in a position to succeed. And that's all coaching. That's all coaching. And it, it's so disappointing, man. Like, I, I don't even – I mean, you know, at times I've been high on Cooper. And, and like, it's like I've said, it, it's, it's all fine and dandy when you're playing MSU. You know what I'm saying? When you're playing those or type FIU teams, or, or FIU yeah, or those teams that, that, that really can't match up defensively. That and, don't and you're making them look like a pass. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all fine and dandy. But when you go up against these teams like we've seen in this opening stretch, you know, where you've got some real talent, you know, Texas, Southern Miss, even Army. Army had some solid players on that defense, quick, strong, physical, physical guys. You know, now you go on the road against Louisiana Tech, who is, who is, again, tested and who has shown that they can hang with a lot of teams in this country. It, it's it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And this 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 weekend is gonna be another another example of that. You know, I go back a couple of weeks ago, and this I don't even I can't think of the kid's name off the top of my head. I say kid, it may be an older man. I don't even know, giving me some trouble on on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that or not. For my comment about a lot of coaches in this country oh, get yeah, yeah. get fired around the country get fired for performances like this after that Army game. I, I did that. I said that on Twitter, and and the, the dude, you know, he messaged he he tweeted at me, you know. Who? Like, who are you talking about? Who are you named? Well, I started naming them. I'm like, how many more do you want? He's like, I want five more. I named five more. Look at this week. Les Miles. Uh, what's his Ron Turner. Hey, Ron Turner from FIU. You they know, got smashed. That's the kind FIU of thing that happens. That's the real deal in college football. When you don't perform, when you underperform, that's what happens. You lose your job. That's what happens in the real world. If you're not performing up to par at your job, you don't get to keep your job just because you have it, just because you're the guy running. I mean, that's what happens right now with, with UTEP. You're the guy running the program, so you're there until you don't want to be there. Like, that's pretty much what's going on with UTEP sports right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only one who even deserves that is, is the one who gets the least amount of money of all of them. Keith Adams. Keith Adams. That's the only one that deserves that, that, that ability, that respect. That to, leeway. That yeah. leeway to just, if you have a bad season or two bad seasons, you just you, you step back and you say, you get it fixed because you will. That's the only person that deserves and, it. And all, all this is doing is just dropping attendance and dropping interest. And those are Not two only just dropping that, attendance and interest, but in, the, in, in, in turn, you're dropping revenues. Big time. You know, you're, you're dropping dollars that, that, these, that these, this program, these programs, because it's not just football that, that relies on football dollars. A lot of the other programs that don't make a lot of money rely on football dollars. And and you're not getting that extra income, and, and that's, so and that's where football ends up playing seven road games. And, and all these programs are hurting, and and I don't even know what to do, man. I don't even know what to do at this point. I mean, give me your prediction for this La Tech game. You really want it? I really do. And then we'll move into Conference <laughs> USA Power Rankings. I was hoping you were going to say then we'll move into talking about the Raiders, but ah, <laughs> okay. I, I again, I don't. I said last week that I thought. I was like, Southern Miss will get 35 points. That's what I said. I thought they might score a lot more, but I was like, Southern Miss will get 35 points. I came up a point short. It got 34. I'll get you You're in the ball. I'll get you a ticket for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This week, it, it, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to get 35 points. And it may be 42. It's not going to be 50. I guarantee you that. They will not score 50 points against this defense. But it's probably going to be in that same range. If we're, able to, if we're somehow able to move the football for whatever reason, they may keep them down to 31 you know, 28, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that happens because I haven't seen anything from this offense that shows me that they're going to be able to move the ball. And so, you know, even, and you're talking about even with a guy like Aaron Jones, like how sad is that, man? Yeah. You've got one of the best talents in the nation at running back and, and you're not able to move the football. All you're relying on from that kid right now is home runs. That's all yep. you're relying on, bro. And that's sad because that kid has so much talent, bro. And it's being wasted. Yep. But again, I haven't seen anything from this offense that shows me that they can sustain drives and move the football down the field. So I got to think LaTeX scores 35 points. I'm hoping we can get 20, you know, I'm hoping we can get 20 and it's a, you know, 35, 20 ball game or something like that. I, I, I think there's a good chance that, that they cover, but I think it's more likely that we cover. Let's put it that way. I think, you know, we got to be hungry at this point after two ass kickings in a row, there's got to be some kind of hunger. There's some kind of, Fire. Fire from the coaches to change something, to just keep it a game, you know. And I think I think there's a better chance that we cover than that we don't. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what that's where I'm staying. I, I, I can't, on the road, 
I cannot see a repeat of last year where it's a two-point ball game, you know, coming down to the wire yeah, and moving nah. to field goal to win it. Nah, I can't see I'm that. I'm going to go different. I'm, I'm going to say LaTeX does score no less than 40 points. Okay. And I think I think it'll be between that 40-45. Our defense may hold them to a couple field goals, but at the end of the day, offense, I think, is just going to continue to struggle unless yeah. there's a big-time shakeup, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's scheme-wise, whether it's play calling on certain downs. I'm going to go LaTeX 42, UTEP 10. I just I don't see it. I just don't see it yet. Good thing about that is, you know, it's, everything else after that is supposedly manageable. You know, you look at, at, at the schedule after that, you got FIU at home, you, go, you get a bye week, you go on the road at UTSA, you get Old Dominion at home. You know, it, 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 it's, it's manageable, but, I mean, a, a win, a, some type of positivity is needed for me to feel better about that stretch. Looking back, right, we talked about this since before the season started. We talked about how it was very possible that we would be 1-4 after this game. I don't think either of us saw it happening. We, could, we, we might have said the 61 to – what was it against Army now? 66-14. We might have said 66-14 against Texas. Yeah. We, we might have agreed on that preseason. And, and, but we would have never, ever thought that we'd be losing by 30, 40, 50 points to teams like Army and Southern Miss at home, at home, yep. you know, in front of your home crowd. And, and so that said, it makes the outlook on these quote-unquote more manageable games a lot more bleak. Yeah. Like before the season, you would have said, okay, even if we're 1-4, we were probably in some close games. We, they were hard-fought games. We weren't able to come away with the wins. We're 1-4. One position but, away. Yeah, but now we got to go – and now we get to go up against these teams that are struggling and, you know, pick up some easy wins. But now they're, they're not easy wins. We're struggling. We don't have an identity. And, and we really. don't have an identity, and we're right there with these teams. So now we're going to be in dogfights with those teams. And now it's going to be a lot harder to win even those one-possession games. You know, how do you, how do you, when you don't have an identity, when you've been unable to move the football, when you have a struggling quarterback, when your offensive line is struggling, because it's not just, you know, opening up holes, but, you know, they've had some uncharacteristic penalties and it's, it's been a lot of things. And when you have all these issues, you know, how do you find it in you to, to win those, those close games? You know, it takes that little extra umph to find that win in those close games because those close games are decided by very little, very little. And so, I mean, it's just, it's going to be tough, man. It, it, these games that we really thought were going to be winnable games that we could start chalking up as wins are now 50-50s, and it's going to be a dogfight. We'll see how it goes. 5 o'clock p.m., American Sports Network, I do believe, Saturday, the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs and your UTEP Miners. But let's move along before we wrap this thing up. Week 5, the Conference USA Power Rankings, and I am happy to report – that UTEP did not get a single bowl. What's, what's funny is this guy actually had to put it in the email. Yeah. Like, hey, vote you, UTEP first. We are not honoring your ranking. Respectfully yours. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, definitely interesting because, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the way that we've seen it over the years when we do these power rankings. I mean, they're fun to look at, but – you get a real sense of these tiers, and it's really, really evident, obviously, this year. Coming in at number one, Western Kentucky. This is a, this is a tough loss, I thought, I thought, for Western Kentucky, even though it's not a conference game. Uh, they had a 14 nothing lead on Vanderbilt, basically shut down Vanderbilt's offense, really, really made them kind of look like UTEP there for a while with, the, with their run game, unable to get going. And all of a sudden, Vanderbilt was up the pass and get things going, and that really changed that game. They come in eight first place votes, 182 points overall. They got Houston Baptist this week, which is that's you'll get a good look at them. UTEP plays them later in the year, but I I had Southern Miss number one. I put Southern Miss number one. Who'd you go number one with this week? I went Southern Miss, man. But look, I it's hard it's hard to to take away from what Western Kentucky is is doing. Yeah, I mean. You know, their losses, this this one, I mean, this was as narrow as it could be because Vanderbilt tied the game on the final play of regulation. And, I mean, and they, Western Kentucky went for two in overtime for the win. Yeah, so those those are things that, like, it could very easily, you know, you could have a, a tip ball or, a, or whatever it might be on that last play or you could complete that. I, I didn't see the last one. Was it a, a pass that they won for? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you could complete that pass, and all of a sudden you're talking about a, a win, and you're 3-1. and one. There's no question that you're the number one team, right? So I think it, it's real tough to take them out of the top spot right now, but that's real close. Yeah. You know, that's 1A, 1B. There's no question. Those are the top two teams in the league right now. Um, 
But Southern Miss is just very consistent right now on both sides of the football. And and so it do they I don't know, do they play each other? I haven't even checked if they play each other. But if they I don't do, think they do. That's that's that would be a hell of a game. If not, we'll see it more than likely in that conference championship. No doubt about that. So Southern Miss, like Anthony mentioned, six first place vault one hundred and seventy nine overall, three and one. They got Rice this, this week, twenty four points. My boy that gambles and waters uh, every week told me that he took that. He said he took that easily. I think that I think they handled them pretty easily. The number three team, the team that I felt had the biggest win. Uh, last weekend in a game that, you know, Jonathan mentioned earlier, they were down 27-7. Uh, Middle Tennessee, they're 3-1 to start off the year. They picked up a first-place first place vote, 176, right behind Southern Miss. I mean, you can almost argue that they kind of deserve to be up in that top tier. And they may be over the hump, but I want to see how they come out. And if they mash North Texas this week, I'll be fully convinced that they are that legit 1A, 1B, maybe even 1C to a to a point, but I think right now Southern Miss and, and Western Kentucky have kind of distanced themselves a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and I'm not quite convinced on uh, on Middle Tennessee yet for the for the one reason that I want I'm, I'm trying to pull up this schedule real quick to to take a look at it because uh, who did they play last week? I mean, obviously I know they played the Texas, Texas, but the week before who did they play? That was uh, oh, that was another game. If I'm not mistaken, that was another game that they. That they struggled. Oh, uh, it was Bowling Green. Green. It was go. Bowling Green. They kind of struggled a little bit early on, if I'm mistaken, in that game. And then going back again before that, they had Vanderbilt. And that was the game that me and you talked about that we said, you know, this is a game where you establish yourself as one of those top teams. And and Vanderbilt mopped the floor with them. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even close. And and you look at what if you want to put them into that top tier, you have a game now to compare it to where Western Kentucky, who is in that top tier should have beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. Now, granted, it was a road game versus a home game, so that, that obviously factors in. But Western Kentucky, who we know is on that top tier, should have beat Vanderbilt. Middle Tennessee, who were con- contemplating putting in that top tier, had no business on the same field with them. Maybe it was a bad game. Maybe they made some mistakes, whatever you, you, know, you want to say. But at this point, I'm still struggling to, to put Middle Tennessee in that top tier because I really feel like Louisiana Tech should have beat them. And to me, even though they're one and three, in fact, you know, moving on, uh, talk about Louisiana Tech, 1-3, and 0-1. Oh and they lost to Middle Tennessee this week. They got UTEP, obviously, we've talked plenty about. Um, them, and then number five, Marshall, who's not 1-2, 59-28, Louisville lost. Those are the two teams, in my opinion, that really do have a chance to their their size of the, of the conference. I really feel like Marshall, even though they got mopped by Louisville, who I think is the best team in the country, especially agree, that offense. That, that, uh, the, Alabama might have the best defense. That offense right there by Louisville, Louisville offense is the best offense. Are you hitting for a, for a national title game? You know, you know, I want to see been, that game. I've been talking about this just to take a little sidestep real quick. I've been talking about this. You, you start looking at the setup of the playoffs. I like Michigan, Alabama, yeah. and Louisville. And then I don't know who that wild card is. Maybe Stanford, maybe Houston, Houston, maybe yeah. Houston. I mean, you, that's, a, that's a pretty nice looking playoff. That's real you know sexy. what I'm saying? That's a real. <laughs> That's a real nice looking playoff right there. So anyway, that's that's something for another day. But um, going back, you know, to Louisville last week they lost to Akron. Ak- no, not Akron. Uh, the, the, yeah, Akron. Was it Akron? Put up sixty five on them. That was kind of an outlier for me. Yeah. I, I saw the I saw the opening of that game and Marshall looked good, and then all of a sudden it that's just it points. just switched like quick, quick, and and you, they couldn't stop Akron. And so you know, to me. Again, those are the two teams that once conference play starts, which obviously it's already started for for uh, Middle Tennessee at least, but you know those are the two teams that could could really be the ones that that bump their way, can go on a run, win five or six straight, and bump their way into that top tier. You know, especially they'd have to knock off these top teams. But those next two teams are are for me still in consideration for the top tier, even with their sub five hundred record. I agree, but it's, we got to see what they what, see, yeah, what they do. And the big thing with Marshall is they lost their quarter, their starting quarterback, who has put up some ridiculous numbers in the opening week. And to me, they still were able to put up. I guess you know you can say they were able to put up twenty eight points. You know, you look at their stats. Or I looked at the box score; it wasn't really pretty. What you expect from a Marshall team, but that's something to keep an eye on too, because obviously they're right. They're, it seems like Marshall's offense, in terms of their flow and 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 just them being able to move the ball kind of depends on Chase Litton. So that's going to be interesting to see unfold with his health as we move down the list. Number six, this is really – this is kind of where you, you draw the line in terms of kind of what you know 
you know what I mean, where you could kind of place him. Because after, after you go down 7-13, to 13, you could just draw names out of hat. But Old Dominion really deserves this number six spot, a very solid win against UTSA, a game that I felt kind of could have gotten out of hand. UTSA's defense still kept them in it. But I really like what I saw out of Old, Old Dominion. Nothing too flashy, nothing too over-dominating, but just taking care of business. I really love their head coach. Yeah, I've been saying it since he came into this league, that culture that they had, they've always won. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've had a losing season. They, they went six and six, I think, back-to-back years. Might have to check that. You know, maybe, maybe even they've got five and seven last year. But I really like this old Dominion team at Charlotte. I think they match, should match Charlotte. And I think that that could be another team, even though I still feel that they're definitely head and shoulders below a team like Marshall, a team like Middle Tennessee. But this is a team that you catch them on the wrong Saturday and they'll fuck up your whole conference standing. So, so I think they really deserve uh, the number six. And they're in number six by a big margin exactly. compared to number seven. I think seven. that's the one thing to say here is that Old Dominion is number six, and they're all alone. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's one and two, in my opinion. And then you got three through five. Those are the two top tiers. And then you got six. And like you mentioned, after that, it's a shit show. Yeah. And seven, <laughs> seven, it, it really is. Seven to 13. You could put those in, yeah, in a yeah. whole bunch of different directions. Yeah. I think I think maybe – actually, I might even say 7 through 11 because Rice and Charlotte are pretty much the, yeah. the bottom. Even FIU. Bottom. Even FIU. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, okay, so then maybe let's take it down a notch. And let's say 7 through 10. I mean, 7 through 10, you, you really – you could put those in a number of different places. And then 11 through 13, same thing there. So, you got a lot of mess after after number six, starting with North Texas, who happens to be two, two coming off a big double overtime win over Rice. Which you got to give them a lot of credit for. But it, what does it say about where Rice is at at this point? You know, they're 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 struggling. This is a program that we've been accustomed to seeing compete for comparing for, or trying to compare yourself. Yeah, we've to. been we've been trying to build ourselves up to that that point where Rice is, and on on a yearly basis, they're competing for Conference USA West titles and even playing in the championship game. And now we see them starting off the season 0-4, which is real tough. So a great win for North Texas. But at this point, I think it's fair to assume that, you know, we were kind of on the fence about Rice as far as like, hey, do we really say they're out of it? Are they really that bad? Yeah, I think I think bad. it's fair to say that they are that bad. North uh, UCSA comes off of that Old Dominion loss that we just talked about. They're on the bye this week. They're 1-3, 0-1, coming in at number eight. Number nine, UTEP. It's sad to see UTEP behind UTSA, but there's not any justification for putting UTEP in front of many of these teams right now in this league. But UTEP, you can argue that they have the an only, FBS win, but that's it. The, that's only, it. the only thing that, that, ha- that UTEP has going for them is that this is no, – not even that. Well, yes, that, but I'm talking about <laughs> right here in these rankings, is that this is a UTEP blog. That's the only thing <laughs> True. that UTEP has going for them. From the, look, from, the outside look, from the outside looking in, you're coming off – a 34-7 loss, and before that, a 66-14 loss. So tell me, what other team in this league could you see those losses? 66-14, and then 34-7, and still rank them in the top 10. Honestly, at one, at one in – well, the only reason, obviously, is because those other teams – well, one has a win, but, you know, it's just there's, there's no way that you can justify putting this team ahead of a lot of other teams in this league right now. They're, real, they're really struggling. They're really struggling. I do. I agree, and I mean, and you can also argue that a lot of teams are struggling in this league. But I mean, yeah, it's true. you know, I, the the only team offensively that has been struggling that I see is UTSA. They had a negative one yard. They, they their total yards rushing against Colorado State was negative one. But listen, but you know, they, it, they give up ten tackles for loss against Arizona State. There, that to me, that's bad. I mean, yeah. UTEP has their issues, but to me, you know, and it's you know, I'm not trying to single out UTSA, but when you're trying to compare teams that I've actually seen and actually been able to kind of break and look at their statistics, that's about it. Those are the only legitimate arguments you can have because I mean, I put UTEP in te- I put UTEP at number ten, and week. that's another thing, you know, I did too. But looking looking down, now you have number ten, FAU one and two. Now they're coming off a tight loss to Ball State. You know, and they, they probably they should, there, was a, there was a weather delay when they were up 27-14 and they let a, a last-minute touchdown. And, and those are things that you, you have to look at. That. Like, if this was an FAU blog, would UTEP be ranked ahead of FAU? Hell no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the one thing UTEP has going for them in, this, in these rankings is that it is a UTEP blog. But FAU comes in at number 9. I'm sorry, number 10. FIU comes in at number 11. That's that, that, sec, that last tier drop-off there. Uh, Rice comes in at number 12, 0-4 also, as, as well as FIU. And Charlotte, number 13, they've been down there for a while, 1-3, and three, lost 48-20 to Temple. They'll be uh, against Old Dominion this week, who, who Alex said uh, should get mopped up. 
I think so. I think Charlotte's in for a rude awakening, but hey, Charlotte's a rude awakening. I think everybody already yeah, knows. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So another week in the books, like I mentioned in the opening, the last, the last football only podcast that we start dipping into basketball with. Real quick, basketball. Noto, don't we have a signing to mention? Or didn't we get a commit? Oh, a yeah, yeah, commit or something we like that. Right? About, we dropped them. I tripped on that one. Brewer, I can't uh, Ladarius Brewer. Ladarius Brewer. And uh, he had another guy that visited, Roger Williams, who possibly I, some news possibly coming soon. Possibly some news coming soon. Hopefully. But, I mean, that, that that's kind of interesting to see this kid, Brewer. Kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, I, I highly ranked. It's, it's kind of it's, it's hard tracking UTEP's offers recently. I think Twitter's really helped us out. That's really much our only source right you, now. Just go to, what is it? That Was that Juco site? Juco Showcase? Or? There's one of them. Just go down the whole list of Juco players, bro. Yeah, because that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. You got I know what you're getting at now. You got UTEP offers. Oh, yeah, the UTEP really going heavy in the in the, in the Juco uh, ranks. And, you know, this is another guy, Darius uh, Brewer, not too much in terms of stats. You see that he's kind of a – a lot of people have been talking about his shot. I did see one video where his shot did look a little long. I don't know. Uh, there was somebody out there tweeting saying he was going to be a shooting guard. I don't see that. I think UTEP has enough shooters right now going into next year where this guy's going to be sort of like a left-handed Terry Wynn in a sense that that's really what he's going to be he may be able to take up some space good athlete very strong a guy that's going to be able to to rebound for you but they're just you don't know with this kid you know what I mean he didn't have very much D1 offer he was ranked as Mississippi's second best underclassman this is from USA Today so you know people have obviously have take note of this guy yeah. but there's so many unknowns with him, but a 6'6", 200-pounder, you know, with UTEP, what mixed with UTEP's trying to do, that's not bad to have a stretch three or even put him at a four in a three-guard lineup, you know what I mean? So you have some options there. It's good to see them recruiting good athletes again. We talked about that with the Dion Bear. We talked about that with Tim Cameron. I don't think there's so, ever been any question as far as recruiting athletes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that Tim has been known for. He's recruited great and, athletes and another, and another for his entire career. Yeah. You know, that, that's his M.O. He gets good athletes that, that – that lanky, you know, wing player that you that you that you've seen so many times, you know. But there's just so many other issues within this program, and and we've yet to see that success come. So I, I mean, great to see him, you know, going after these type of athletes. You know, even a uh, Rod- Roderick. Roderick you know, I, Roderick I like Williams. that kid. That's a, that's, a, that's a kid that would be a great great addition to the team. But uh, you know, aside from that, it's still so much to be seen from this from this program, and. Um, so, like we mentioned at the start, it's on deck. Next week, we'll be talking a lot more about it. Season will be, be here. 17 commits already. Kobe McGee from San Antonio, the point guard. Now you got you got a four, and you, I got to think that a big man for 2017 is You need it. That's, what, that's where this program's lacking. I mean, you talk about Matt Wilms. He's the one real big man that we have. I mean, obviously, we've got a guy like Kelvin Jones as well, but he's the one that's proven. Terry, Terry Wynn is great, been awesome at, at the four. He'll be a great four for us, but even him – you know, he's, he plays bigger than he is. Yeah. You know, he's not a true big man. And he's a lot of weight to play the three. So Yeah, so so that's another thing to keep an eye on. But I think that's the one position where we're, where we're lacking right now is that big. We need some more depth there. So we'll see how that all plays out. But hope you all enjoyed it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the books. Y'all know where to find us, though. SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com. SBN Minor Rush. I'm sorry, at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter. SBN Minor Rush. What else we got, dude? I don't even know. I'm lost at this point, bro. What do we got? We got everything. We got everything you need. Just hit us up. And also, Twitter, Facebook, follow us on iTunes, Gmail, iTunes. Y'all can find us all over the place. And we got the global ring just to signal the end of the show. Hope y'all enjoyed it. I'm Anthony Salome. This is Alex Nicholas. Nicholas. We're out.